Mark chapter 1. Let's stand together if you're able to stand for the reading of the scripture. Mark chapter 1 and verse 14. The Bible says, now after that John was put in prison, John the Baptist of course, now that after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. At this time, Jesus is about 30 years old, the Bible tells us, in another place. And he has been in basically um, raised in Nazareth, where, his, where uh, Mary and Joseph were from. And then, uh, but living a relatively obscure life. And now, though, he's been baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. And he is beginning his ministry, and he's going preaching the gospel And calling men, verse 15 says, to repent and believe the gospel. Verse 16. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. It's an amazing testimony, isn't it? How he called these four men from two different families, and they immediately followed him. And so what we find here is Jesus calling the first disciples. And we're going to look into this uh, together this morning in the scripture, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Please bless as we study together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I mentioned this last week. I'll just mention it again, though, because most of uh, Jesus' ministry on his time of ministry in the earth, only a few years, where it was in Galilee, a lot of it around the Sea of Galilee. Uh, I was just refreshing my memory um, about the dimensions of the sea. Just, I, I like geography, and I like uh, to think about the setting of things in the Bible. The Sea of Galilee is about 14 miles long from the top to the bottom. 14 miles, it's a slender body of water, and from six to nine miles wide. So if you were to travel the circumference of the Sea of Galilee, it's about 33 miles and we could, we could visualize that, imagine how big it was from border north and south. And of course, it dumps into the Jordan River, which goes south and eventually uh, ends up in the Dead Sea. So this, this was a major place that he ministered, was around this body of water and in the communities around the Sea of Galilee. As a matter of fact, his ministry there 
was a fulfillment of prophecy. Hold your finger here in Mark chapter 1 and go to the left a little bit, if you would, to the gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 4, uh, we have a quote from the Old Testament. <coughs> Excuse me, Matthew chapter 4 and in verse 12 it says... And when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Verse 13. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum on the northern shore, northeast a little bit of the Sea of Galilee. He dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali. Those were the Old Testament tribes of Israel where they occupied. Verse 14. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Esaias or Isaiah the prophet saying, now here's a quote from Isaiah chapter 9, the the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah prophesied that he would come to that region and live in that region of the Sea of Galilee, the Galilee of the Gentiles, look in verse 16, and this would be fulfilled. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. So his ministry in the Sea of Galilee, in the Galilee region, was announced hundreds and hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, that he would bring light into this dark Region. Back to Mark chapter 1, if you would please. In verse 16, it says this. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee. <clears throat> it's been our privilege, my wife and I, to be in uh, Israel twice. And much of this region, not all of it, of course, but a lot of it around the Sea of Galilee, I think is much like it was in the time of Christ. People still <coughs> fishing, having a livelihood of fishing and and uh, we ate some fish, as a matter of fact, in this restaurant on the, along the shore there of the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. Imagine that. And to me, there's something striking in the simplicity of that statement. Because this is the way Je- he was just walking along the seashore. This was before his days of popularity. This is before multitudes of people would swarm around him. He is about to call his first disciples, but this is the way he ministered. This is the way Jesus operated. As he went, casually going about his business, he ministered. And I could imagine if you could just, if we could observe this, if we could watch this, he appeared to be very common, very casual, but there was a purpose in what he did, a lesson for all of us. And so here he is at the Sea of Galilee, and the main thrust of this text is he began to call men. It says in verse 16, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother. And it says in verse 19, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. And so he began to call men. Now, don't miss this because I think it has profound relevance. Jesus did not begin his ministry with healing campaigns. He didn't begin his ministry with promotion or fanfare He began his ministry by calling men, by calling people. That was the focus of his ministry, recruiting men to teach and train. And by the way, I don't think he's changed in that regard. 
Jesus is still calling people. Jesus wants people to follow him. Jesus wants people to submit to him. Now, I want us to answer a question in this text today, and that is, what was this call about? What was, when he began to call me and what was this call about? First of all, it was not their call to salvation. That's important to note. He wasn't calling these men to be saved because before this, months before this, maybe even up to a year before this, these men had heard the preaching of John the Baptist. And what was John's message? We talked about this a few weeks ago. That the the Messiah was coming. There cometh one after me. The latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He preached the coming of the Messiah and how the Messiah would bring deliverance to those who had turned to him, forgiveness of sin, the promises of the Christ, and that he was coming, and he was soon coming. And those who believed John's message were baptized of John in the River Jordan. They put their faith in the Messiah who would come, and they were baptized And by the way, they were saved when they put their faith in the Messiah who would come. And they were baptized of John in the Jordan River. Now, hold your finger here in Mark and go this time to the right, to the Gospel of John. And we'll just look at this when we really see the introduction of this family to Jesus. Now, they've already trusted in him. They've already been baptized. But in John chapter 1, if you look there with me, please. Um, let's begin reading in verse 39 and we'll read through several verses. Excuse me, verse, did I say 39 is 29. John 1, 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him. John is baptizing in the river Jordan. He sees Jesus coming to him and he saith, behold, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he. I have those words circled in my Bible. This is he. Of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now if you skip down a little bit to verse 35, it says, And again the next day after John stood, and two of his disciples were in John 1.35. So standing, John the Baptist, and two of his disciples... And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, John saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak. These are the disciples, not the disciples of Jesus, the disciples of John. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they, what? Followed Jesus. Because that's all John was doing, was getting people together for Jesus. And so... John wasn't about making a name for himself. He was about making a name for Jesus. And so when they said, that's, when, when John said, that's him, they started following him. Verse 38, then Jesus turned and saw them following. He didn't call them. They just started following. And saw them following and saith unto them, Jesus said, what seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is being, which is to say being interpreted master, Where dwellest thou? I've always thought that's an interesting question. Where do you live? (laughs) He saith unto them, come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. 
near the dusk. Verse 4. One of the two which heard John speak and followed Jesus, followed him, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So here we find when Andrew, for the first time, had an actual encounter with Jesus. And what did he do, verse 41? He first, first thing Andrew did, findeth his own brother Simon, Simon Peter, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him, Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Jesus knew him. By the way, he knows everything, right? Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Let's go and read a couple of verses because it gives us a place. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip. And saith unto him, follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So we know where Andrew and Peter lived. So, so this, so I'm back to the question in Mark chapter 1. And the question is, what was this call when it tells us that Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw Simon and Andrew casting net, their net into the sea and he called them. It was not their call of salvation. They'd already believed on him. They'd already believed the preaching of John the Baptist. And so they're just, but, but they continued. They continued their occupation as a fisherman, right? Because here we find them in Mark chapter 1, fishing. So it was not their call to salvation. Second of all, we're talking about what was this call? Second of all, it was not their call to be apostles. Eventually, from the group of disciples that followed Jesus, Jesus would single out and appoint those who would be apostles. Now let's go to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 6. Because I think it's important if we're going to talk about how Jesus was calling these men that we know why he was calling them. He wasn't calling them for salvation. They were already saved. He wasn't calling them to be apostles. That would happen in the future. Luke chapter 6. By the way, just while you're finding that, uh, there's no contradiction in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were all written. The human instrument that wrote them were different men, different personalities, but they include different details. That's why it's really good when you're reading to look at what all of them said, maybe about the same thing, get more details. Luke chapter 6, and let's look in verse uh, 12. And it says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray, Jesus did, and continued all night in prayer to God. Verse 13, and when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. The word apostle means one who's sent out. And he gives their names, Simon, there's the first one, whom he also named Peter, Andrew his brother, the next two we know from Mark 1, James and John, then Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon called Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James and Judas Iscariot. So here in Luke 6 we see that after, afterwards, Jesus by this time has developed a group of disciples. 
Those who are loyal to him, those who are following him, those who are taking his message and his calling seriously, and from them he called apostles. So from this we know, back to Mark chapter 1, from this we know that this call that we read about in Mark 1 was not a call to salvation, they'd already been saved. It was not a call to apostleship, that would come later. So what was he calling them? And basically he was calling them to follow him as his disciples, as those who would take his life, his calling, his message seriously. He called Andrew and Simon, we're in Mark chapter one, verse 16. He called, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting dead in the sea. In verse 17, he says, come ye after me. And I will make you to become fishers of men. He called them to come after him, to follow him. He called them because he wanted to use them. You're catching fish. I've got something better for you to catch. We'll catch men. It was a calling for them to use their lives to reach others. It was not the calling of salvation. It was not the calling of apostleship. It was the calling of letting him really rule and guide and direct them in their life. To to follow them with their life. It was a call to be with him. It was a call to learn about him. He wanted them to be involved in his work. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't that they were the finished product. He said, if you'll come with me, I'll help you do this. I'll show you how to do this. By the way, following Jesus is not about what we presently are. It's about what he can make out of us. So this was their calling. This call to follow Jesus. Let's look in Mark chapter 1 and notice a little bit about those he called. We've already talked about them a bit. In verse 16, he calls Simon and Andrew his brother. Look what it says in verse 16. He saw Simon and Andrew. And verse 17 says, come after me. He saw them and he called them. And notice how he called them. He called them. Think about these men. By the way, they they could not ever fathom at this day what their life was about to become. Eventually, they'd be apostles. And Simon Peter would become like the the face, the leader of that first group of followers of Jesus. And Andrew has a reputation, more than any other thing, of bringing people to Jesus. Imagine what he would do with him. And by the way, James and John. James would be martyred. He was the one we read about in the book of Acts who was beheaded for his faith in Christ. And John the Beloved, who would give us so much of our New Testament, the Gospel of John, the Epistles of John, the Book of the Revelation. Little did they know when he called them from their daily mundane job of fishing what it would mean if they would follow him. Verse 19, it says, He called James and John the sons of Zebedee. And again, it says, He saw them and he called them. Nothing unusual. Nothing out of the ordinary about their day, about their lives, about what they were doing. By the way, this is the way God works. This is how God calls people. He doesn't call people because they're looking for a call, expecting a call. He calls people just going about their business. These these first followers of Jesus had several things, I think, in common. Number one, they were fishermen. All four of them were fishermen by profession. 
They were not theologians. They were not Bible students. They were not polished. They they were not ambitious. They were not aspiring for some adventurous life. They were fishermen. They were not wealthy. Very common. And by the way, Jesus calls common, ordinary people. People could be sitting in this room today and think, well, God would never want me because I'm just a common, ordinary person. That's who Jesus calls. Common, ordinary people. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 4, it was said of Peter and John, and this is a quote, they were ignorant and unlearned and ignorant men. Not very flattering. They were unlearned and ignorant men. So the first thing we see about them, they were fishermen. The second thing we see about them, they all have this in common, they were busy. Peter and Andrew were fishing. They were casting a net. When I was a boy, uh, I would go fishing with my grandparents, my granddad and my brothers and my dad. And and we would seine. It's a long net. You know what a seine is? And we would sain for bait. Now, this is not what they're doing. And sometimes we'd, we'd sain for fish. Sometimes big fish would get in there. So, but that's illegal. So we, I don't know which, how you categorize that. But anyway, but this is the way they fished. They didn't have a rod and reel. They had a large net. We've seen them do this. You've seen them just cast the net out and bring it in. They were fishing. Andrew and... Simon Peter were fishing. Um, James and John were not fishing, but they were sitting in their father's boat and they were working on the nets. They were mending the nets. They were repairing the nets, preparing to go out again. Now here's the point. Now this is, I don't think this is adding anything that's not in the text. I think it's an important thing that is in the text. Jesus called men who were industrious. He called men who were working. He called men who were laborers and laboring. Think about this, just common sense. Why would Jesus call someone who is not willing to work to serve him? He wouldn't do that. If I was Jesus, and I'm not Jesus, obviously, but I wouldn't call somebody who was lazy to serve me. Every one of these people were working, and we'll see others down the road that had that similar thing about them. He called people who were working. And you may say, well, I don't know... I don't know what God wants for me. I don't know that God has called me into any particular kind of ministry, but, but be, just be busy doing what you know to do. That's a good thing to do. Someone has said that Satan looks to find those who are idle and God looks to find those who are busy. I think there's some truth to that. These were fishermen. They were common people. They were busy and Second of all, or thirdly, they were, they were related. These two pairs of men were related. There were two sets of brothers. And the point I really want to emphasize before I go on is the fact that Jesus called ordinary people doing ordinary things to his work, to follow him, to serve him. People like you, people like me. Jesus, so you can't say, well, I'm not qualified because I'm just ordinary. You are qualified because you're ordinary. Matter of fact, Moses was caring for sheep when he got the call, the burning bush call. 
Gideon, known for his exploits, was threshing wheat when God called him. Elisha, who would become a follower of Elijah and have twice the power that Elijah did, was plowing behind oxen when, God, when he got the call. So don't be surprised tomorrow when you're driving your truck or working on the dock or at the factory if God doesn't come by because he calls ordinary people who are busy doing the things that ordinary people do. You know, when I began to follow him, I was not a preacher. And that's true of so many people. When we began to follow him, we weren't, we weren't, we had no special call on our life. I had no intention of preaching. I never would have dreamed I'd be a preacher. I was a house painter, a family man. But I knew this, I owed him my life. And I wanted to follow him. This is what, listen, this is what Christianity is about, young person. It's following Jesus. It's being a follower of Jesus. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, being a follower of Jesus. Now, I want to I look again at this text in Mark chapter 1. And I want to talk briefly about not only their calling, but their response. Because it's really, it's really inspiring to me. In verse 18, it says about Simon and Andrew. And straightway, they forsook their nets... And followed him. They dropped what they were doing. Is that right or wrong? They dropped what they were doing and they followed him. And hear me now, immediately, without any lingering consideration, without any deliberation, Jesus said, I want you to follow me, and they dropped what they were doing. If you if you or I we're to look at two different um, examples and decide which would be best for me. Here's an example of a person who believes that God is calling them to be a disciple. Not an apostle, just a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And here's another person who believes that because they they're belong to him, that they ought to be a disciple. So both of them have the, first, both have the same understanding. This person, as soon as he understands that, he just drops everything. And he says, I'm going to follow Jesus. This person says, well, I'm going I'm to think about it, and I'm going to weigh it, and I'm going to talk to my friends about it, and I'm going I'm I'm to pray about it for a while. Now, let me ask you a question, kind of a rhetorical question. Which of these do you think would be the best example for us? The one who's deliberating and praying and putting it off and procrastinating or the one says, if that's what he wants me to do, count me in. That's the good example. Immediately. Without, without, you know, doing anything. Without even going home and talking to their wives. Right? These people were already saved. I'm sure their wives knew they were serious about Jesus. By the way, your wife should know if you're serious about Jesus or not. And so he did, Peter didn't even say, look, you know, I understand what you're saying, but I need to go home and talk to my wife about it. He didn't say that. They left their nets. And they started, imagine going home and say, hey, honey. Your wife says, how many fish did you catch today? Well, honestly, we quit fishing. 
What do you mean you quit fishing? Don't you know we got bills to pay? What do you mean? This was not just fishing like I'm going to go fishing for. This is their livelihood. Well, we quit fishing. But we're going to do something better. We're going to start catching men. (laughs) Hey, honey, catching men don't pay the bills. There's, there, I want you to, don't, don't disregard this. Don't minimize this. They followed him immediately. James and John, it says down in verses 19 and 20. Verse 20 says, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. They were willing to go after him. Now, important thought. Both of these Brothers, teams of brothers, these four men, were willing to leave certain things in order to follow Jesus. They, in some ways, they left their family. Now, by the way, that don't mean they left their family never to come back again. We keep in mind they spent most of their time still around Galilee. They still see their family and still spend time with their family, but they were willing to leave certain things. They left their plans. Hear me. They left their plans. They left their security. Because they understood that he was calling them. And again, they could not have known what the future would hold, but they knew they knew who this was. This is not just any man. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior of the world. This is our Redeemer. This is not just any man calling. By the way, some people act like, oh, the, you know, the preacher wants me to do this. and they No, what does Jesus want you to do? What does Jesus want us to do? And what an example. I read this. I've read it many times, but I've been meditating on this for days. And, and I'll tell you, what an example for us to follow. Please hear me. Please think about this seriously. Why would we hesitate? about following Jesus. Why would we hesitate about being a follower of Jesus? That, and again, this doesn't mean you're going to be a preacher. It doesn't mean you're going to be in full-time ministry. It means, listen, it means you're going to make your life purpose to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And it could be very well today that as you're listening to me, there are people here that sometime in your past, you... You set out to follow him. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. You may not remember exactly how it came to pass. Maybe reading your Bible. Maybe just praying. Maybe hearing a sermon. But you thought, you thought, man, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe at some special event like a camp or a conference. You said, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. But you've, you've left off following him. Jesus is calling people to follow him. To live For the purpose of pleasing Him and obeying Him. And to live for the purpose of reaching others for Him. He's calling people. He's not going to come, He's not going to come in a physical, physical, visible form beside you and say, Hey, I want you to follow me. But He He calls us through His Word. He calls us by the Spirit of God. He calls us. And the question is: listen, how how are you? Not how everybody else, how about you? How are you going to respond to his call? They immediately followed him. Yes, Lord, if that's, if that's what I'm supposed to do, I want to do it. They didn't go home. They didn't talk about it. They just said, we're going to do it. And here's one of the reasons 
One, not the only, but one of the reasons that keeps people from following him is they're afraid they're going to have to leave something. Well, I'm going to tell you, you will have to leave something. You're going to have to leave some things. Because to follow him means he's, he's running the show. He's directing our lives. Now, you may not be at the place today that you say, I, I'm ready to do that today. I'd like to think some of you are at that place. And I know a lot of you have been at that place. You are following him. I'm not, I have no, you know, belief contrary to that. But maybe you're not at the place to, but listen, would you agree with this? Think about it. Would you agree with this? That every one of us should be followers of Jesus Christ. Every one of us should be followers of Jesus. Being a disciple means putting Jesus first. I mean, would we, or could we, or should we ever say no to him? No, none of us would say, sure, preacher, we ought to, no, none of us would want to say no to Jesus. I want to end by saying this. There is something to me noble, something virtuous about following Jesus Christ. It's the highest of callings to follow Jesus Christ. It's the most excellent and superior of all ambitions. No one should shun it. No one should hesitate about it. It's the greatest purpose in life to be a follower of Jesus Christ. By the way, if you're, you're following the greatest of all leaders. He's the greatest of all leaders. And he calls us to follow him. And today, if, if you're sitting here and, and you've been undecided about Jesus or you've been hesitant, today wouldn't it be a great day to say, you know, I don't deserve, I don't deserve to be a follower of Jesus, but I want to be his follower. I want to serve him with my life. I want to, I want to do whatever he wants me to do. You say, well, I don't know what all that means. They didn't know what all that means. They just said, I'm going to follow him. And you may be here today, and there was a time in your life, and you know it well, when that, was, that defined your purpose. I want to be a follower of Jesus. may have been many years ago. may have just been months ago. But there was a time when you said, that's what I want with my life. I want to be a follower of Jesus. But you sort of lost that. That adventure. That, that, um, marvel that he would let you follow him. Isn't it an amazing thing? Sometimes we can, if we're not careful, we go from thinking it would be a marvelous thing that he would let me follow him and go down the road and a lot of things happen and all of a sudden we kind of shun the idea that he'd want us to follow him. I'm telling you, he's worthy of following him. Maybe you're here today and you're not saved. You've never trusted Christ. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. I'm telling you, Jesus died on the cross for you. He loves you. He died for you. He shed his blood for you that you could know God, that you could be forgiven of your sins. And if you don't know that you've done that, receive Christ by faith, you ought to come today. I'll be standing right here at the front. Come to me and say, Preacher, I, I just need a little help with this. Whatever it takes to help you, we'll help you. But don't miss this. 
We're not at the Sea of Galilee, but I believe with all of my heart, as real as it was on that day, Jesus is walking by and he's calling people. What are you going to do with this call? If you need to be saved, you ought to come today and say, I need to be saved. Or if you realize you've been living more for yourself than for him. Today would be a good day to say, Lord, I want to, I want to do this with my life. I only have one life to live. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Be the greatest decision you ever make.